how we would picture her. And we would picture Joseph, this man who had been confronted by an angel and told that this child was a very specially conceived child, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph is standing there and he is watching with wonder. And Mary, who later is described in the scriptures as treasuring up all these things in her heart, she's beginning to put together the pieces of the the message that had been delivered to her prior to the Savior's birth. And then while all of this scene is taking place, from a distance come a group of shepherds who have been told about the birth of the one who had been anticipated, the coming Messiah, and the angels were speaking to them about this arrival of Christ. And here come the shepherds who are really kind of the lowest of the low. And you've probably heard messages before that describe how they were often despised individuals. And they weren't even allowed to give testimony in, in trials because of the lowest state that they had. And here comes this group. And then in our mind's eye, we often picture the star, uh, some sort of a reflection of the star and the, the magi, the wise men coming, which actually happened later than this event of the birth. But that often comes into our picture that we have. If that's all you see, you miss the whole point. What you don't see is lying in that manger as a baby is the eternal God. I cannot conceive this in my own mind, and yet this is exactly what had happened. The second person of the Godhead, and we we run into a little problem with this because our minds have a difficult time grasping how a single God, there is one God, can reveal himself and be three distinct personalities and yet be one God. And yet this is exactly what the Bible describes to us. And the person, the second person of this Godhead comes in human form as a baby. And in this manger, there lies the eternal God. In this baby is all the fullness of who God is. If you would take your Bibles once again, please, and turn back to that Gospel of John that, uh, that Pastor Luke had read to us earlier. We, we see here in the very first verse the explanation of the arrival of God himself and very specifically the second person of the Godhead coming to this earth. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then you drop down to verse 15, which gives us a little bit more of insight into this, and it says, And John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me. You remember that John was born probably about six months prior to the coming of the birth of Jesus. He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Here comes the eternal God in all of his fullness. You look at this child, and what you see is the holiness of God, or what you should see. What you should see is the sovereign God 
of the universe. What you should see is a God of love, a God who was, as the choir was singing, born to die. If the whole story stopped here, we would not have a Savior. But God came to become a man and then to die in our place. So when you look at this baby, do you realize what you're looking at here? It's not just a baby. It's not just a little child wrapped in these swaddling cloths. But it's the eternal God. And the Father Himself, through that child, shows His own glory. Look at verse 14 with me, if you will. And the Word became flesh... And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the glories of the eternal God manifest in this little baby the grace, the truth, the reality of who he is, all penetrating our minds now because we are seeing him not with the mere vision of human eyes, but we're looking to the very revelation that God himself has given of himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And we see all the fullness of God, we see the glory of God, and beyond that, we see the very revelation of God. Please understand how important this is. Look back at the first verse once again. It says, The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The, the description there is, He came as the Lagos, the, the word that we have translated, the Word. In the beginning was the Lagos, the Word. What he is saying is this, For us to know who God truly is, someone had to manifest God's presence so that we could see it. What would you picture God to be like if Jesus had never come? Well, we would have a vision of someone who is sitting somewhere out there, who is powerful, who is loving, and and we would have kind of an ethereal image of who God is until the very Word of God, the Logos of God, is made flesh. Now we begin to see how God Himself cares so deeply about the human race, how He cares so deeply about those who are dead in their trespasses and sins, how He cares so deeply that He would send someone that we could look at with our eyes and today have revealed to us through His Word so that we could see who God really is and we begin to understand the depths of His love. God proved His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we see the holiness of our God in this baby, absolute perfection, no sin, No distortion of truth. No forsaking of who the real God is. We see the fullness of God. And when this portion that we've read today concludes, we also read this in verse 18. No one has seen God at any time, speaking of the Father. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. He has 
exegeted him is what is being said there. He has told us not only what God is like, but he has allowed us to look into the very heart of God, to see the mind of God, to see the will of God, to see the desires of God. And he dwelt among us so that we would see the fullness of the Godhead. But there's more. When you look at that baby, you not only see the fullness of God, but you also see the all-powerful creator. You look at this baby and you say, this is the person of the Godhead that spoke and called all things into being. Once again, I take you back to this passage that we've looked at here in the third verse. It says, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Everything that had been created, he brought into being. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He wasn't from the beginning. He was in the beginning. He is as eternal as the Father. He is as eternal as God the Holy Spirit. He is the eternal creator. And through Jesus Christ, he spoke. And all of the intricacies, uh, stumble over that word, all of the intricacies of creation are drawn into being. And he speaks, let there be light. And there is light. He speaks, And the animal creation comes into being. He speaks. And the sea is filled with living creatures. He speaks. And man is created. This is in that little baby. Do you see him? Do you you see him for who he is? He's not just a little baby. He's the eternal God. He is the all-powerful creator. And he is the very source of life. Once again, we go back to this passage. And what we read in the fourth verse is this. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. When we talk about God the Son being life, we're talking about one who not only gives the reality of the physical life that we enjoy, but he also is the one who brings spiritual life. And that is such an important dimension for us to understand because from our human experience, we look at ourselves and we have a tendency to believe only what we see. And that's really at the heart of what we're talking about here. You could believe only what you See with your physical eyes when you look at this babe until you realize that this is God. This is the creator. This is the very source of life. Not just physical life, but spiritual life. And now it begins to come home to us because the Bible tells us that because of the sinfulness of our natures, because of that sin that dwells deeply within every one of us, that has manifested itself, in some cases in extreme demonstrations, as we saw two days ago. And sometimes, very quietly, in the thoughts of an adulterous man, in the thoughts of a jealous woman, 
in the thoughts of a hurtful child. The sinfulness of our being has brought us death. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But in this manger is the source of life. And the apostle could write about him and say, And you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, he has made alive. And that life comes when by faith we embrace the work that he accomplished for us at the cross of Calvary. And it comes no other way. We cannot work our way into life. We cannot do good deeds that would bring us eternal life. All we can do is embrace the reality of who this baby is as he not only was born but lived a sinless life and then ultimately was crucified on the cross of Calvary to take the punishment that our sin deserves, dying in our place so that we through faith can receive the life that he gives. And it is a spiritual life that we embrace right now and it is an eternal life that we enjoy with the Father forever. That's what's in this baby. Do you see him? Do you see him? The eternal God. The all-powerful creator. The source of life. But there's more. In this baby is a coming rejection. John tells us in this passage, he came unto his own. And his own received him not. They rejected him. And some people have distorted the truth of what that passage is teaching to take us to the point where they blame a particular people for the death of Christ. And that is an absolute deception. It is not true. The people who put Christ on the cross are sitting in this room and standing in this room. And it was our sin that brought about the death of Christ who was rejected by his own but he became obedient unto death even the death of the cross that baby was born to die and without that death we would have no hope he was rejected so that you and I could be accepted when the Bible teaches how we can stand before a holy God and enjoy His presence forever, it tells us that the only way we can do that is by being accepted in the Beloved. You know what that's saying? It's saying that unless you come through Jesus Christ and you are in Him through faith, placed in Him clothed with His righteousness, not with your own, but with His. Then the Father says, I accept you because I accept my Son perfectly. You know that there is nothing that pleases the Father more than that we believe Him. And He says this, He that has the Son has life. But he that doesn't have the Son does not have life. But the wrath of God abides on him. 
there is a very, very clear dividing line between those who will have eternal life and those who don't. And that dividing line is all found in the person of Jesus Christ. He that has the Son has life. And we're not talking about just giving a, a, a mental assent, uh, a historic realization of Christ's existence. It is an abandonment of ourselves and of anything good that we can do, and it is a total reliance upon the rejected Savior that brings to us forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And when you, by faith, believe what God said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. When you believe in that, when you trust in Him, that His death was for you, that when He was buried, He didn't remain in the grave, but He rose again from the grave, so that those who trust Him can have the life that He demonstrated in conquering death. And there, in that baby, that's what we should see. And the final thing He tells us about is His glory. We beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of God, full of grace and truth. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, the grace of God is extended to us. What that means is that God gives us something that is not only what we don't deserve, but He gives us exactly the opposite of what we deserve. What do we deserve as sinners? Oh, we have this self-realization, uh, and it's not real. It's, it's a self-deception that, well, if we're pretty good, God will accept us. No, we're not good enough. But grace looks at those who are not good enough, and it says, when you trust my son, I will make you not only good enough, I will give you his righteousness so that you can come to be with me forever. In him, the glory of God full of grace, full of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. What do you see in that manger? Let me ask you this. What do you see today? Do do you see nice lights, trees? Do do you go out and, and at night drive around and go looking at the lights? When I had my motorcycle, Debbie and I would jump on the motorcycle one night and we would tool through the neighborhood and uh, just real slowly, the way I like to drive it, and we would go and we would look at the lights. And it was beautiful. I mean, even as we walked the dog, that we, we enjoyed doing that because in our neighborhood, there's a lot of beautiful displays that are put up. And I'm surprised how many manger scenes are actually out. Um, I feel badly for people that live in Jewish neighborhoods because they're very dark. They're very dark. And not to say that that is because those people are Jewish, but it's because they do not recognize that the light of life has come into this world. Let's look past the lights. Let's look past the baby. And let's look to the reality. Here is, in the person of Jesus Christ, the eternal God. The all-powerful creator. The source of life. Yes, to be rejected, 
but then to demonstrate through that rejection the glory of God in extending to us grace and truth. If you have never put your trust in Christ as your Savior, I would ask you to do that today. It's possible, and and I don't know what the Spirit of God intends to do, but here's what I would hope would happen with each of us that are here today. That we would be willing to examine our own hearts and determine whether or not we're relying upon a religion or whether or not we are relying upon the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and Him alone for our forgiveness and our eternal life. Life is found in Christ and in Him alone. And if your heart is beginning to say, I don't know if I have Christ as my Savior, I would hope that you would be honest enough with yourself to admit that. And then by faith, reach out and trust in Christ and Him for your forgiveness and eternal life. There would never be a greater Christmas than this one for you. Jesus Christ came to be a Savior, and I hope He's yours.